Welcome to Changemaker Rehab. Changing the world is exhilarating and overwhelming. Join me, Heather McDougall, as I host bold leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and changemakers on the front lines of the world's most pressing challenges. Discover what it means to be empowered by your mission rather than consumed by the magnitude of the problem you're trying to solve. Together, step-by-step, we stand on the legacy of others and create the world we dream about. Welcome everybody to Changemaker Rehab. Today, I'm so excited for the conversation that I get to have with Kyler McGillis. Uh, We met probably like a year ago um, when he was a student at the University of Jamestown, and he's doing some really, really awesome work that we will get into. But first, hello, Kyler. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited. (laughs) By now, listeners, you kind of know we just jump in with a (laughs) big question and we'll get into more of what Kyler's up to. But Kyler, I'm just so curious. What is sort of your big vision for the world? What do you feel like your calling is to help create? Yeah, so um, I actually kind of, uh, I've always wanted to help my people. And uh, and I knew I wasn't going to be able to help everyone in the world, but I knew I could help the people back home. You know, uh, I'm from Turtle Mountain, Band of Chippewa Indians tribe. And uh, my biggest mission is just being able to help my local people back home, but also being able to... Um, help all tribal economies uh, in the future. The more I kind of build out my foundation, um, I think I could really do that. Love so much your work. And one of the things you just said that kind of caught my attention is with this thought of like, okay, I can't can't really help everyone in the whole wide world, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> right? And so I think that's such an important thing that I see with a lot of change makers is oftentimes the size of our of our dreams are, I mean, totally achievable. I don't want to like put down size of dreams, but it's like, oh my gosh, I was there too. It's like, for me, like, how can I change the whole world? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Like we do that by focusing on like, where can we make our impact? And I'm curious, did you, have you always known like that level of focus or how did you come to that? Yeah, so actually, um, funny story that my grandma always tells is um, ever since I've been a little kid, I've, I've always just told her, you know, I want to help people and in any way that that can be, you know, and and the more I start uh, going to like uh, throughout um, my end of the years of high school and uh, college, I, I really found like a love for, you know, business. And I really thought that, well, I could use my knowledge and my education to help my people, whether that's, uh, you know, the economies or that's uh, the finances, or that's just uh, getting the brand awareness out. What did your, what did your grandma say to you? Or you would just, you would tell your grandma you wanted to help people. (laughs) I would just tell my grandma that I I just want to help people, you know, and, and she always, uh, she always remembered that. And she always just told that story whenever uh, people would talk to her about me or anything like that. And it was Mm. just the same thing. How was that, you know, for you in, I mean, your grandma obviously like is so proud because she's mm-hmm. sharing these stories when you, I don't know if it's when you went off to school or as you're really deciding you are wanting to do something and help your people and help your community and your tribe. Did you face any sort of like pushback or any doubts from anyone in your community or have you faced that along the way? Yeah. So when I started kind of, uh, when I went to college at Bismarck State, I, uh, you know, I wasn't really sure on how I could uh, help my people the most. 
I uh, first I went into, you know, I was focusing on criminal justice because I was thinking maybe I can become a lawyer, you know, later on mm-hmm. to, uh, to help our rights and everything and policies. But I started to think, I don't know if this is for me exactly. I'm not really the, the detail person to become a lawyer. <laughs> but until I, uh, a couple of years down the road, 2020, went to University of Jamestown. And uh, I just I just didn't feel comfortable going down the criminal justice road. Mm-hmm. So I, I chose uh, something a little bit more, um, I guess, uh, basic it was business, you know, but the more I was in business, the, the professors and everything started showing me just how kind of interesting it was. And it was starting to come to me uh, uh, pretty well you know, the marketing, uh, kind of like the management processes. And I thought, well, maybe I can use my strengths to this and just keep going with it. And, uh, and I knew that business was a super important thing for tribal nations, right? One of the, the, the hardest things to find, uh, for our tribes is that there's not a whole lot of finance, right? Mm. Uh, That's a really big need, especially if you're just, if you're trying to run a sovereign nation and it's a lot of different things, you know? And, um, so, being able to kind of focus on that and uh, learn as much as I, I can, especially from my own tribe, I think can really benefit a lot. You know, admittedly, I learning more and more about the kind of as you're describing, of course, I grew I grew up in the area, understand in the country and understand that the tribal communities are sovereign from country, America, <laughs> but also not. But I've in terms of like how that relates in business, I've in recent years been understanding it a little bit more just because through my relationship with business as and, and uh, personally, uh, my company didn't do business directly with any with any uh, tribal councils or anything, but some companies that I work with have and it's like, oh, gosh, it really is. It's a totally separate legal system. And so it's kind of that bringing reality to me. And I always consider myself wanting to be super aware of things. But I think what you're saying there, it's so, so true. How how do you help build an economy in a sovereign nation, especially in the United States with the, I don't even want (laughs) to, I don't want to make it light, right? The, I mean, just very serious and troubled relationship between how, yeah, between the relationships that we have. I think though that business is, my experience is such a powerful tool for change. And I see you in your work here, even as we're talking now of like this amazing and powerful bridge or connector of what you're able to do through business. And I have no idea what that's going to, how that's exactly going to impact your community. What do you see? Like what, how do you imagine being involved with business and what do you want to bring back to your community? Yeah. Right. So, so throughout um, my experience, you know, first I, I've uh, spoken to you before about a nonprofit organization I founded, All Indigenous Recruiting Organization, Arrow. And I really saw a need to help out uh, Native American students on getting an education, whether that's your traditional student uh, going after high schools or whether that's your non-traditional student, right? Uh, Went for a few years, you know, life happened, dropped out of it, but trying to get back into it. And I really saw that... The key to prosperity starts with an education, and even if it's a small education, right? I do believe that there needs to be a change and a movement, and what we like to call it is the arrow movement, right? Mm-hmm. Just being able to help students get their education, and you know they can go back to their tribes and help them out, 
things like that. But going back on your question about, well, what do I see for like my tribe and everything? Well, I want to gain as much experience as I can, whether that's um, development, uh, you know, housing developments or uh, being able to create businesses that will flourish on the reservation, things like that. You know, I want to be able to gain that experience and expertise so that I could come back home and be able to bring that back to my people. It's so, so important. And in any community. I mean, I've done a lot of work with sustainable development communities in facilitation. So, uh, I mean, you know, we've talked about this and listeners who've heard me talk, you've heard me say this too, but if you're new to me, you know that I always say like, for me, I never look at my role in a community as, oh, I have a solution. I'm literally there to just help draw out conversation when welcomed, right? It's always invitation-based, but I think that having like change always and can really only happen from within a community. And it's like when there are people who can I don't know, not even exit, but kind of like you're saying, like, how can you get as much experience as you can and then come back home, whatever home is to you, whatever that community is, it's like, there's a different level of trust. And I've seen it all over the world in any kind of community, like privileged or unprivileged or, you know, whatever it is, this is just, this is just a a truth. And I'm wondering, like, what do you think someone like outside of your community, is there anything that is helpful to you or to your tribe or what can yeah what can folks who aren't from somewhere do yeah i just think you know a lot of it uh comes down to uh awareness you know understanding and knowing the problem of uh some of the barriers that uh, a lot of native americans are facing today and you know the the new form of racism is invisibility you know not being able to speak on certain issues or just not knowing or not teaching it in the classroom or things of that sort. And I just really think that the biggest thing that anyone can do is just support and know and awareness. Mm-hmm. Being able to know the problem and understand, let's help them or let's support them or let's let's fix these problems. You know, let's do whatever we can with our resources to help you. With that comes, you know, as a white woman <laughs> speaking here, of course, like there comes for me all along the way of, I don't know, I guess it's like a humility or just a willingness of vulnerability to listen and be not even wrong. I mean, sometimes, yeah, I'm wrong. I'm wrong about a lot of things <laughs> about anything, you know, but just like a, a, a willingness and a desire to listen and to, and to hear, because I think that's just that from my perspective, when we when we don't open ourselves up to that vulnerability, then we become defensive and close-minded. And I genuinely believe overall humans are really good mm. deep down and by nature. And I think that exactly like you're saying, like, let's, let's be open. So if someone like me in my situation or someone who is less <laughs> invisible, who has visibility, like let's be less defensive. Let's be open to the fact of where am I not seeing something? Because there's tons of things I'm not seeing. And as well as kind of back to like where we started this conversation of at the same time, I also need to give myself some grace and realize I can't possibly see every single thing in the whole world. So when something is new to me, even if I I feel like I wish I would have known about a problem or an injustice, you know, sooner in my life. It's like, give myself some of that compassion to say, all right, but now, you know, so now what are you going to do about that instead of, because I think 
I work with change makers and I see a lot of times even just guilt, right? So much guilt, whether it's for climate change, we feel guilty that we don't have more solutions or guilt that we're not doing more for something. Like being able to heal that guilt is like a, such an important thing to do in order to actually start making yeah. change. Any, do you have any reactions to yeah. that? You know, no, that's a hundred percent true. I, um, I actually do experience that uh, a lot is I do believe that you have to have a balanced, you know, work life. You know what I mean? You're, you you have to understand what, what's a little bit too much and understand that you shouldn't get too guilty if you're not putting everything towards it. And that, I actually did learn that um, this uh, past semester during school. It was around, um, you know, how winters get pretty long in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> so I started getting a little bit of that, right? And I had three internships at the time. I was going to school uh, for homework and all this. And then I was working on Arrow. But I started feeling a little bit guilty because I wasn't mm-hmm. putting all my time, you know, towards one thing, right? I knew that I needed to finish school and I couldn't put Arrow above that at the time. Mm-hmm. But I just had this guilt over and over that I was like, oh, I just wish I was done with this. So then I actually did have to drop, you know, a couple internships because I wanted to spend more time t- towards Arrow. But I had to take a step back and realize that I'm doing good work and it will get there. You know, it takes time. I still have to protect my mental health. I have to be able to enjoy the things that I want to as well. So I, I totally understand what you mean by that. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> it's what was it for you? Or I mean, maybe there wasn't just one thing, but do you remember like, what did you do or what kind of how was it, thought process or mentors or who, how did you kind of come to that space of like, yeah, finding a, a I'm going to call it an evolved relationship with your work. Yep. Yep. For sure. So, so I just start, you know, watching a lot of YouTube uh, and, you know, like uh, mental health, you know, how not to burn out. And mm-hmm. and I know you've had a lot of things like that too, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. I've read up on that is preventing yourself from burning out. And I think that's a real issue, especially in today's world where you're expected to put in, you know, 50 plus hours a week working, you're expected to get things done as quick as you can. And And I just wanted to realize that problem right away because I didn't want to burn out because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to lose my energy on the things I really believed in. And in talking to some of my mentors, you know, they they completely agreed. They said, go have some fun. You know what I mean? Don't don't spend every night just working. You know what I mean? Go go out with friends, have some fun, go to the, you know, go work, keep that uh this is an important one too is like keeping uh my uh my body healthy as well you know trying to work out and keeping that going just yeah things like that totally yeah and we've talked about that and i haven't shared tons of my burnout story on this podcast yet although i will i'll probably even just do an episode on it of of that and like for me mine was i didn't even realize that (laughs) that i could i mean i didn't i remember i was googling like do i have burnout like i didn't know is it something you have do you experience it like i didn't even really know and this was now four four and a half five years ago for me where i really really like heavily burned out because i had this preconceived idea that if i care so much about my mission like i can't burn out people burn out when they're like not aligned to what they care about like that's when that happens and it's like no not at all like now I talk about burnout is this is sometimes it's a big like identity crisis where you really are very out of alignment but in any case I use the word alignment a lot because like you were saying in order for us to be the best we can for our mission like really it matters our bodies are vessels our brains are our 
tools that, that the, I mean, I always think of mission as it's like a spirit given mission that drives me forward. And it's like, if I don't take care of the vessel that I have in its entirety, then I'm not going to do as good of a job or as pure of a job as I'm here, as I'm here to do. But anyway, I just remember that moment of like Googling, like what is burnout and just not even like fully realizing it. And then I had like embarrassment that I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I burn out? How am I going to do this? And the worry of at that point, you know, we had investors in our company and like, what are they going to think? Cause I've set this certain pace and expectation. So it happens. And unfortunately, I think it's something that in society is not talked about as freely as I hope that even this conversation, right, is helping to do that. Because I talk with people who aren't for whatever kind of context that they're in, aren't able to speak about it. And I'm like, gosh, this is feeling this level, like for you so soon in your career to recognize how burnout could impact you. It's just like so valuable. It'll creep up again and again, but you've already had aware awareness around it. It's so cool. Cause I think I'm kind of on like a roll here, but I'll say <laughs> that what I wrote down something as you were speaking that I think sometimes we're like, exactly like you said, we have these external narratives in our culture of do more, and then you'll get more, you know, if you work harder, then you'll be able to achieve more results. It's this dynamic. And it's so it builds that sort of false sense of like, well, if I care about for you, right, I care about arrow, I need to be putting every single thing I have into it. Yet, what you said, and I heard you kind of communicate, maybe not verbatim, but is like, you care so much about arrow, that you don't want to burn out that you and I think that's just such like a beautiful reframe is you have to care enough about your mission to give it your best. And your best is not working like 100 hours a week <laughs> to the neglect of all the other things. So I think it's so cool that you also had mentors to do that. Are there any things in your experience, like what things now have you learned about that that would tip you off to, oh, hey, I'm like, out of balance, or I'm kind of slipping into a burnout tendency, like what are things that you maybe now would be on the lookout for that people who are listening to our conversation might be able to look out for? When I when I kind of uh, thought back to, you know, I was thinking when I was putting in so many hours, you know, and, and we've talked about this too, going on like long spurts of just eight hours in a row, of just grinding away, you know, like uh, for mm -hmm. me, it was like uh, when I was working on the website and, um, well, when I, the more I start doing it, I, I almost start getting like, oh, I have to do another thing. Like, but it needs to be done. You know, I start kind of like getting in the back of my head, like, is it necessary? When I knew it was necessary, I was questioning that. And, and I knew that right there, I needed a break, but I wasn't going to take that break. I should have known that um, continuously doing that was going to um, end up in like a sort of burnout. You know, I, I start sensing it. I start not even, I even went like, like a week without working on the website at all. And that's when I was like, I felt guilty, you know, about mm -hmm. not working at all. Cause I was like, I could have just kept consistent. How much, you know, did I not uh, improve on the website from not going on there? But if I originally would have just set a couple hours to work on it, kept consistent, you know, take a day off every now and then, I think I would have got a lot more done. 
but I can't feel guilty about that because I was, you know, almost getting to burnout. And, and like you said, I, um, I'm pretty young, you know, for getting to that point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of my aunties, she actually told me, uh, she was like, you gotta take care of yourself. You can't be burning out already. She said, and I, I told her, I said, I know. I said, but I didn't get like fully burnt out and I understood exactly what was happening. And I'm actually, you know, I'm glad that I got to experience that because I know that I can prevent it from happening another time. So if I were just to say anything to anybody listening, it's just that you do feel it, but you deny it, you know, because you feel mm-hmm. like you just need to get more done, but you need to set some time away from it. So that's, that's totally. what I got. I love it. No, it's, I mean, I get it. I get like kind of really into this stuff just because I think mm-hmm. it's so, so important. And it's for me too, it's like rewriting these narratives, you know, instead of just like, for me, I, that's a big thing I do when I start to notice that I'm getting in like, oh, I should be doing more on something or I'm just... Because you do, you care about it. Like it all comes from a really good place, ultimately. I mean, and if it doesn't, then that's a whole other thing. Like if you feel like you're doing it for someone else or, you know, if someone else is going to be disappointed in a different way, like there's a whole million reasons that you reach burnout. But in this way, it's like I have learned to even catch myself in certain well, behaviors or like I call them narratives or the stories that are in my head. If that little guilt voice, I even named my guilt voice. My guilt voice, his name is Larry. She comes around and likes to tell me I'm not good enough or whatever. So Larry is, she's part of like, that's one of the things I'll say is like, we can't, my experience, at least I can't just, you can't just like bury the guilt and the emotion for me, it's like, I have to see it and see that I'm experiencing it. So, okay, what's that story that you know my Larry is telling me and I write it down and then I literally, I physically cross it off and then I write down, you know, you could say the opposite or a different truth that feels better and more supportive. You know, it's like, if I don't work on this website, I'm not going to help X number of people. Okay. Cross that off and say, oh, by me taking a break, there'll be better parts of me to serve my, you know, mission or however it is. And I found that gives me these like little moments of reassociating with like what I, what I care about. Mm -hmm. Do you do anything of like visioning? So when you look out into the future, if it's like through arrow or through even something bigger than like whatever comes through your work with arrow, do you like paint any visions or what are things that you do to kind of keep yourself looking at your why? Yeah. And from a lot of, uh, um, you know, my professors or mentors, they, they all call me you know, like a visionary, but too much of a visionary, right? Because I, I, I do see what like Arrow can become. And I do see like a lot of things that I want to help out. Um, and, and a lot of times I, it gets frustrating, you know, because like we talked before with that burnout, like I want to get it done now, now, now. Mm. I mean, like, I, but I do enjoy the small wins, you know, being able to uh, get that website down, get being able to get the board of directors, you know what I mean? Uh, being able to reach some partnerships. I have to take those small wins, but I also do see the vision. And what I do is, you know, I, I love the idea of writing things down for anything, whether that's, uh, you know, kind of taking an ease on your brain at the end of the night, you know, writing down what what happened today or writing down, you know, some things to get off your mind. And and that's actually helped me a lot too, just getting things done, crossing them mm-hmm. out, you know, like you said. But but I always make sure to write down some of the the goals I have or um, some of the, like uh, the good things I'm doing just to, to keep me going. But I do 
like to be a visionary i do like to see what the future has but i also have to be here for the present you know and enjoy it every day i think yeah i'm so glad you you say that you know when i work you know i work directly even like one-on-one with people sometimes or with groups and or myself <laughs> but it's that sometimes you know i find it's exactly it's learning how that balance between your vision and the present moment like that's where the magic happens and it's a different balance for everybody you know and and i maybe relate similarly to you of like the vision stuff i'm like i love that and i can just get lost in like yeah but it can all just work like everything can fit and it can be amazing and like why can't we just have it like this or whatever right and then but exactly it's like if we there's, there's a, for me, I, I tap into that vision and that why, and this, it sounds like you're maybe the same. It's like to remind of the inspiration, right? Of like, okay, this is why. And I'm really big into embodiment. So it's like, what does it actually feel like? Like, okay, okay. Like this is who I am. This is my joy. This is what I'm driving for. But then to be able to bring that I have a mentor who talks about it of like, okay, who, who's that future? Like I'll use you as an example. Who's that future Kyler, like in that state? And what does that Kyler do today? And that's that presentness because action can only happen today. It can only happen in the present. I love that you mentioned like writing down the celebrations or whatever it is. And so I'm curious about this. It's come up for me a couple of times as you've been talking, but this idea of reciprocity and the reciprocity, I use that word largely from when I read the book Braiding Sweetgrass. Have you read that by Robin Wall Kimmerer? I actually have not, but I'm buying it soon because um, one of the UJ board trustees actually recommended it to me. So she talks about reciprocity with everything, but especially that we have with plants and with the land. And it resonates so much with me in the way I think of sustainability, but also I've been applying it a lot to my work as a leader. And that's what I was like hearing you say is even you are kind of going back to the burnout thing. You said that you're almost, you're still even kind of glad that it happened. And I feel like in there is that cycle of reciprocity and gratitude of we're part of this sort of like ongoing, right? Circle, this ongoing spiral of ever moving forward. And if we see ourselves in the reciprocity, there's always something to learn and there's then something to give. Like, have you, do you think about that? Like in that literal of a sense, or I mean, is there anything even from your like indigenous, like ancestry and teachings that you think kind of resonates alongside of that? Yeah. You know, just growing up, I, I always kind of truly believed in, um, like, you know, it takes sacrifices to get good things, you know, and that, whether that's uh, sacrificing, you know, some of your time uh, in order for helping or benefiting other people, you know. And, um, yeah, I just think that's something that, like, our, our tribe and, you know, tradition has always been is, you know, like, respect your elders, you know, and everything and respect you know, a lot of things too is like the environment, you know, and I feel like uh, sometimes that gets, you know, lost in the way of things, but mm -hmm. um, being able to like sacrifice your time to be able to help out anything. And it's something I still need to learn more on, you know, and, um, but I guess more so just kind of broadly and not so specifically for me. It's so beautiful though. And I find like every experience we have adds to the richness of who we are and 
what we contribute. And, you know, one of the things that in my life is learning from a lot of different cultures and a lot of different traditions, spiritually and economically, you know, environmentally. And we see that there's like so many of these similar threads, like really and truly, ultimately, we're all connected. And that means we have to give something, but that it will come back. And then we have a chance to give again, you know, in this, like, so when you're saying it, like take sacrifice, because I don't know, you can't just, for some reason, I'm thinking of like a filling a water balloon or something. You can't just keep filling. You can't just keep taking because eventually you're going to like, you know, it's like, it, if you want to, you know, receive good things, you have to give good things. I, I truly think that uh, that's uh, one of the reasons too, that I kind of fell in love with the nonprofit realm, you know, I, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't feel like you're just, you know, going for them, like the money or anything. I, I mean, if I, you know, nonprofits aren't meant for money, you know, and that's why I think that like, it's easy for me to go into that realm because it's something I believe in. And I truly think that if you're working for your passion, you know, it's not really working and I'm young, right? Like I still need some more experience, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong on everything, but I'm just saying that I truly think that there's an importance in kind of following your passion you know, money will follow uh, a book. I read a grit, you know, this uh, coach just said, if you find something that you love doing and you work hard enough to get good at it, things will follow money will follow, you know? So. Absolutely. You know, I just actually gave a, a talk, a keynote on money and vision. And I think as social entrepreneurs, so include you in that, right? Because whether you're a nonprofit or for-profit, you're using some form of a business structure and you're trying to channel resources and loving money, changing a narrative. So talking about what's something, it's like a lot of times we're associated with like money is bad. And I think that's what's beautiful with you're doing with Arrow, right? It's like, how can I though channel money to be used for the vision that I have, for, you know, that you have, I'm being you as I'm talking, right? It's like, how can you use, use the money? And so for you, it's this nonprofit structure is really that. But I believe that too, of what, what you were just saying of if we, find the thing that we feel passionate about and driven resources will come. And as long as we have like a focus and we know where we want to use those resources for the time and the energy, like it will, it will find, it will find the way. And yeah, I, I'm like, just so pumped for you. I'd love for you. I know we just have like a few minutes left in this, uh, but if you want to just even say a little bit more about Arrow, I know you've talked about it of education and helping, uh, well, yeah, your community really, but just talk a little bit more of what, yeah, how does it actually work? And is there anything that you're looking for right now that Mm. I or anybody listening can do to support? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, um, I've been working on uh, Arrow, a lot of the the annoying things like the 1023 form, trying to become tax exempt, which we are now, 501c3. Congrats. And, uh, thank you. That's and, a beast. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, you know, just a lot of that and getting, you know, uh, verified with the, sick, or the state and um, getting the trade name, all that. Right now, we're, we're pretty new, right? We have to get that seed money so that we could kind of do our mission and be able to uh, fund for scholarships. But a lot of what, um, you know, just kind of goes on, though, is Native Americans are in need for, you know, higher education. And there's other similar uh, organizations that try to help out. But what kind of separates us is that we recruit the students, right? We go after mm-hmm. the students and we find exactly what they want to go into and what colleges 
can help them the most. We're also trying to work into the trade schools, but that's down to the road, you know, got to get that visionary out. Um, <laughs> but I just, you know, there's such a need and having a platform such as Arrow can offer a lot of resources for them, whether it's simple thing as applying to uh, schools or whether it's um, connecting them with professors to learn more about what they're going into or um, whether it's just being a mentor. You know, uh, we have um, Aero ambassadors and Aero mentors that are willing to talk to them about anything, right? Putting in, uh, you know, a couple hours a week, just talking to the student and making them feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, and, and, you know, it, it'll come with time, but, uh, you know, being able to uh, offer them scholarships to make affordable school, you know, mm -hmm. that's a lot of things right now that we're currently working on with some of our partnerships, such as uh, Bismarck State, University of Jamestown, finding different ways to get them ready, you know, some prep programs, um, some early head starts, things like that, I truly think can make a difference in a student's life, because I've had those mentors, I was lucky enough to have those mentors and that support, you know, and I think that really helps out a lot of um, us Native Americans is just having somebody to talk to every now and then and then be able to get over the the hill, you know, being able to see yeah. that and get rewarded for it as well. So it's like you said earlier on of like invisibility, right? Mm -hmm. And even for you, like, I mean, for anyone who's in a space that seem invisible, being able to connect and see somebody who's in a space and realize that you're not alone <laughs> in whatever it is, the journey that you feel inspired to go on. I think it's so powerful. So for anybody who's listening, uh, okay, Arrow, what's the, what's the website? Yeah. If you want to support or, um, you know, help us with expertise or be a mentor or donate, um, it's uh, www aero a-i-r-o movement.org awesome i'm so excited for you and uh will uh kyler is off headed to uh johns hopkins for his master's program so we're gonna like obviously stay in touch well i mean or if you know you become hugely famous and whatever then i'll just like share some news articles about you. No, but uh, I mean, just obviously hoping like all the success. I'm so impressed with everything from you talking with me about my interns and how to help get like different sales stuff going for my internship programs in my company. Um, uh, so you have been like a mentor to me as well. And I'm just so thrilled. Thank you so, so much. Is there anything else you want to say? Do you like anything else at all? No, I'd just like to say thank you, Heather. Um, you know, you've, you've truly helped me and, like I said, supported me uh, in my, you know, two years at Jamestown. You know, you've thrown a lot of inspiration into me as well because you, you as well, you know, you see the vision. You you see the the potential of what, you know, like Arrow can become, but also what I can become. And uh, that just means a lot to me. And that, and I, I will keep in touch. So, <laughs> um, but I look forward to our, uh, our friendship. And yes. Oh, I can't wait to see what, how I can, yeah, whatever. I used to have a, a project that I called Do Together uh, because my brother and I started, so our toothbrush and our a sustainable, like environmentally friendly design company, the company was actually called Do. And then if I was doing collaborations, I would say Do Together. Anyway, that just popped into my head again of like, I can't wait to see what we can do together, but you know, here we are. Thank you for, uh, for this and we'll just keep, we'll keep it going. Yep. Thanks Heather.